Welcome to Manage Tools. Today's topic, hiring overqualifieds, part two. Here we go. Folks, we've mentioned before, we'll say it again, the video version of the Effective Manager Conference will be coming out soon. We encourage you to come to the website and check it out. We'll have samples there. The entire conference, plus interactive exercises, plus email support, and show notes to back it up. Hope you'll check it out. So last week, we covered in some detail that overqualified candidates are, in fact, also qualified candidates yeah. by definition. And the risk isn't hiring. It's, it's really a retention issue. And retention is, in fact, a managing problem, right? There are ways to solve that problem. So our next point we want to talk about is that when you're interviewing, you interview for skills first, way before you interview for retention problems. Yeah, exactly. And let me just mention a couple of people wrote to me and said that they were surprised that I took the, we took this approach of, of um, overqualifieds being qualified. And they said, Mark, I thought you told us to look for reasons to say no. And I said, yeah, that's true. We do. And this is one of those interesting exceptions. We're not looking for reasons to say yes by any stretch. We're simply not being silly and eliminating candidates unnecessarily based on yeah unnecessarily without data to support it look you're going to eliminate a lot of overqualified candidates for reasons other than the fact that they're overqualified uh, or put differently than they just have a lot of qualifications and we're going to teach you how to do that um, so we, we still believe your job is to say no uh, we're suggesting that perhaps you're eliminating some people for the wrong reasons based on hearsay and so on and and that's what this cast is about Okay, so now you said interview for skills first, and you're right. We don't start interviewing an overqualified candidate by either assuming away the issue or assuming away the, the, the problem of whether they have the skills or not. We, we, we validate or by addressing their weakness, their overqualification, right away. You don't do that. Too many managers do that and it's a, it's a dumb thing to do. Well, you know, you're overqualified. Let's, let's talk about how you're going to fit in. And you, you mm. already put the person on the defensive. You don't want that. One, you've done two things. You've already put them on the defensive. And again, you've assumed away, like you said, who you warned us against, you assumed away the fact that they are qualified. Yeah, if, if you're going to do that, you might as well just ask everybody, are you qualified? Yeah, okay. Are you overqualified? Oh, you might be. Well, let's talk about that. Right, yeah. right, okay. So, so look, look, it, it, this is a standard interview. The way you learn how to be a great interviewer, the way you learn the sixth sense, the, the, the art of interviewing on top of the science is you interview everybody the same way. And that means after some chit-chat, of course, you start with, tell me about yourself. That's a standard big first question. And it may be the only question you ever get to. <laughs> which yeah, happens, it, right? it happens. It happens. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't think we've ever put guidance on how to ask it and how to listen, but we will at some point, part of our effective interviewer series. And then once we finish that and we've dug into their background a little bit more and that, that tell me about yourself answer will be a little bit more illuminating probably than mm-hmm. for an overqualified than a regularly qualified person. And then we start asking behavioral interviewing questions, standard behavioral interviewing questions, significant accomplishment questions that we have developed in advance that everyone else is going to get. We ask the same skill questions of the overqualified candidate as we do of every other interviewee or candidate, period. Why is that important? Yeah. Okay. Two reasons. First, we're still interviewing against the standard. And the standard is the job. That's how you interview. You interview somebody to see whether or not they can do the job and and potentially to grow beyond that, okay? 
if we've done our preparation well, and look, many of you are listening don't, and we respect that, and you know, you're not using the interview creation tool that we have, fine, okay, you'd be better with it. It's available to licensees as part of a license package. But we know if we've done our work, what we need to learn from a candidate in order to make a decision. Okay, that, that's the whole point of the preparation. And we've created interview questions that get at the behaviors that we think are most relevant for the job we're interviewing for. It seems crazy. We can't simply assume that because someone presents or says that they're overqualified, that they are in fact that, that they're overqualified. Resumes are not interview results, and interview results are not people. We don't hire resumes. We don't hire interview results. We hire people. And if their resume, if someone reads their resume and says, this person's overqualified, that also means, as we said before, they're qualified. And that means they're qualified. And so, therefore, it would be entirely possible we would interview them. Now, if they had a terrible cover letter or we already know they're a jerk, that's a different story. But fundamentally... The resume gets them the interview. And if the resume shows that they're qualified, we do an interview. And yes, there's more to do in an overqualified interview, but the first thing to do is to do what you do with all other interviewers, which is validate that in fact the resume is not too thin or, or too, too much meringue. And you validate that they in fact have the skills that you need them to have for the job. Okay, so now if we're, if we're concerned that, you know, in terms of this, this overqualified issue, we're going to ask them a, a set of different questions than we'd, than we'd ask anybody else? No. Well, we will later, okay? But only after you've determined that they are, in fact, qualified and or, therefore, potentially overqualified. So the behavioral questions that we ask are the same. Same, yeah. yeah if okay. you've interviewed before for this job, it's almost always better to not vary your pattern of questions in an interview. We want to, we, look, th that's part of how you get to make distinctions between people is you compare them to the same standard and the standard becomes relative. The, the interviewing questions become a proxy for the job provided you've done your preparation well. We want to hear the answers that they give and compare them to other people. If we, every single interviewer asks different questions of every single candidate, it's like the three blind guys touching the elephant. One touches the tail and thinks it's a vine. One touches a leg and thinks it's a tree. And the other one touches a trunk and thinks it's a snake. And they're all wrong. This is one of the fundamental problems of interviewing. And look, um, if you don't do that, separate from the fact that you, you got to find out whether or not they can do the job and... Uh, I'll tell you, I've seen people, oh, he's overqualified. And in 15 minutes, I discovered, no, he's really not. Uh, and not because the resume was a lie, just because the person read the resume wrong and they're not overqualified. But it's helpful for us to have patterns in place because interview, interviews are complex enough that we need all the help we can get. And look, for many of us, we assume overqualification is a negative but then somehow also assume that we don't have to verify that all the skills we're looking for are present. That doesn't scan both of those together and both of those assumptions are backwards for an effective interviewer. The effective interviewer says, no, overqualification could be a positive, right? They could do the next job up as well. And we're still gonna validate and verify that they have the skills because that's what we do, right? We build a high wall. We're going to dig into the weeds with the background of someone who's overqualified as much as we would with someone whom we're not sure about. We validate that the candidate is qualified by doing the hard work, the boring work of interviewing them for the job. That's why we say so many people need to interview them, right? We want everybody to come out and say, wow, 
Yep, definitely qualified, no question. Now look, if you wanna say afterwards, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, totally overqualified and a jerk about it and arrogant and I don't want him on my team, good, fine. But this is another case where you could have a couple of new people on your team interview somebody who's very overqualified and you could tell them, find out whether or not he's qualified, compare him to the job. And this is how people learn how to interview. You put somebody who's overqualified in an interview with a kid who's just learning how to interview and you tell the kid, do what you think is best, that guy's gonna make the kid probably feel bad and the kid's probably not gonna do a great job of interviewing, which is not helpful to the kid or helpful to the person who's overqualified. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So let's take that further, okay? We've gotta be aware when we're doing this interviewing that there may be answers that we'll get that'll imply that the requisite skills are present because what the person does is showcase his or her advanced skills. And that's probably a sign of arrogance or potentially it's a sign of arrogance and we'll come back to that, okay? This is a common technique and it's a common mistake of people who are overqualified. You ask for a coding example, and they describe a great project where they manage 20 coders. Well, that's mm. not a coding example. Good point, yeah. Yeah, now, if you hear an answer that proves that they have advanced skills, it doesn't prove that they have the skills you're looking for. That's right, yeah, I mean, because you asked them a question, a behavioral question about coding, and they answered it with an answer around managing. Yeah, and sometimes they even say, well, actually, I can do better than that. And the first time they do that, I'll let them, you know, start digging their hole. The second time when they say, well, again, I can do better than that. I said, no, no, you're not, you're missing the point. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll say, you got to remember, this is my interview and I want my questions answered. I don't want you to tell me what you want me to know. I want you to tell me what, what I want to know. And then afterwards, if I'm still interested, this is what's in my head, then maybe I'll give you a chance to tell me what you want to know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, most of the time you're not saying that, right? You're thinking. Well, no, no, yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. I've said it a few times late in the day. <laughs> yeah, you're human. Oh, you're human. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, barely. Yeah. <laughs> barely. Um, I'll tell you that, that barely, the, the inhuman part of me is what makes me a good interviewer. Yeah, so... Just because they have advanced skills, it doesn't prove they have the skills you're looking for. Maybe they do, but maybe isn't the standard we apply when we're interviewing. If we have a maybe, the answer becomes no. Look, if they answer the question around coding with a management question, it's there are two different skills. In my experience, I've probably interviewed a thousand overqualified people, and that's not how they see it. Uh, they see it as a continuum. I got promoted and or I'm now a team lead and that's natural progression. Right, and, and so, therefore and I you have don't the go skills, therefore. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah, those skills can be assumed. And why wouldn't they when people are so afraid of interviewing and they can have a cognitive, they can create a cognitive solution to their problem which doesn't require them to work, it doesn't require them to be evaluated and, and potentially to fail. It eliminates the possibility of failure. And so they- The effective they interviewer though is gonna see through that. The effective interviewer won't take that as proof that they can in fact yeah. code. They're gonna look for behavioral yeah. examples of effective coding. Look, for many technical people, current skills that are advanced, like managing coders, may also be a sign of rusty skills, the ones we're hiring for, mm, right? Many, God, we talk to people all the time, our listeners and people at conferences who worry about loss of their technical skills, and we mentioned coding, because you and I have been associated with it, that when they get promoted, they're like, oh, I'm afraid I'll get away from it, I'll lose that skill. Yeah, you, you should be afraid, because you're gonna. You will. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> Overqualified folks may have the skills, but it's been a while since they've used them. To hire someone who's overqualified 
if you're going to potentially have to deal with them requesting more salary because of the overqualification, which by the way, that's a good that's a good aside here. If you hire someone against the job rather than based on their overqualification, you don't feel nearly as uncomfortable about telling them, and this is what this job pays because this is the job I'm hiring you for, not for all of the stuff you have. And look, if you hire someone's overqualified, then you have problems about salary, and then you discover they're an underperformer because the skills that they wanted you to assume that they had are technically there and latent, but so rusty it's going to take six months to get back up speed. That's an awful set of circumstances for you to go into. It hmm. would have been better for you not to interview them at all. But again, this is a, a problem of an, it is a bad analysis that caused interviewers, managers, hiring managers to make the choices they do about eliminating some people who are qualified or hiring the people who act as if they have the skills when in fact they don't. And look, there's another reason why we want to take them through a standard interview. We want them to relax. We want them to feel confident. We're going to tell this overqualified candidate that we're going to give them the same interview we give everybody else because that's the way we do it here. It might sound like, hey, we give everyone the same interview here. It's how we fairly compare everyone to the same standard, which is the job. And what's funny is for some overqualified candidates, this is a problem. They don't want us to interview them for skills they used to have. Right? If their skills are rusty, they want to talk about the stuff that's current. And they want you to assume with that current skill set, of course, they used to do the thing you used to do, you're wanting them to do. It's almost beneath them. They know it so well that, you know, they don't have to think about it. Exactly. They want to be interviewed for their more advanced, more valuable skills. And look, we may be interested in their advanced skills, okay? But we have to decide what we're interviewing them for. If we're going to hire them because of their advanced skills, then they're not overqualified, are they? They're just qualified. Right? Right. Our, our assumption here is that if you're listening to this, you're hiring them to do a job they are overqualified for, and that's why we call them overqualified. And if overqualified means they have the qualifications we want, yet plus still more qualifications, this kind of interview will be easy for them. It seems to me there's a distinction between overqualified, meaning I'm qualified for a job that's above, say, in a hierarchy, above that which you're interviewing for, right? Which does not imply that I can actually do the job well. Right. Well, look, I mean, you know, heck, technical stuff changes, right? Technical stuff changes all the time. I, we just talked to somebody the other day that's a graphic designer. And when you think, when you say graphic designer in the world today, you think, well, of course they'll, they know HTML, right? Well, this person doesn't. That's right. Really? Really, how can you do that, right? The job has changed, but this person doesn't have it. So in that sense, overqualified could be, like, like I, I can do the job that you need and more. You need a, a beginner programmer, and I'm an advanced programmer. Yeah, exactly. Right? And if I can get an advanced programmer for the same price as a beginner programmer, well... Why wouldn't I? <laughs> why wouldn't I do that, right? That's one definition of overqualified. By the way, just to be clear, before you go any further, I was being facetious when I said, yeah, why wouldn't you? Okay, good, keep going. Okay. The other definition of overqualified would be qualified for the next level in a some kind of hierarchy, say a management job, right? right. And that does not imply necessarily that somebody could do well the job right. for which you're interviewing. Look, the point of both of this is it's the point we made in the beginning that I think probably surprised some people. Overqualified is simply a distinction 
in the level of qualifications someone has, but it is by definition somebody who's qualified. The problem is there's there's people who say they're overqualified when in fact they're not. They're not. And there are a number of ways to measure one's qualifications. And there are plenty of people who are in a gray area between them who will state that they're overqualified because as you say, they're in a bigger job, but in fact, the world has changed and they never actually did or used the skills that you want in the job you're recruiting for now. And of right, course, right, they're a programmer, but they can only do COBOL because the last time yeah, they did it was 20 yeah, years ago. DV2 or whatever. Dude, look, this is 2013 and there are plenty of people who are overqualified in the market and this is an opportunity. Guys, this is a money ball opportunity for an effective manager, for a manager drills manager to say, shoot, I'll interview an overqualified person and I'll interview them. Right? I'll do it the right way. Okay? Now, look, we want them to be relaxed. Okay? If they're relaxed, if they're confident, because we give them the same interview, that's great. Okay? Because then we know, we assume that they're relaxed and confident because they have the skills. But for some quote overqualified unquote candidates, this is a problem. They don't want us to interview them for the skills they used to have. They want to be interviewed for those more, those bigger skills. And if they present themselves as overqualified and they're secretly worrying about their rusty job skills because they did that job years ago, you need to find that out. Those candidates, which are somebody we definitely want to say no to, are going to struggle with the direct approach that we recommend. They want you to focus on their overqualified stuff. They want you to assume away the technical stuff that they're probably, they may be, not probably, but may be a little bit rusty on. What's more, if they're nervous and they're not willing to go back into the details, you may discover they also have some arrogance or some other issues there, and then you've got some salary pressure as well. Look, th then there are those who may or may not be good enough to do the job we're hiring for, but they don't want it. Mm. They need a job, and they know their resume will, will in, in a less competent interviewer or a hiring manager, will give them an interview, and they just want to get their foot in the door. They need a job. But their assumption is, because so many managers do it this way, we won't make them do the actual job we're interviewing for because of their advanced skills. In other words, well, you're so good, I would never even insult you with this job here. Look, I got to tell you something, folks. You're not insulting someone if you offer them a job. You're not. If you're clear that I'm interviewing for job X, this is what the salary range is. Here, we're very clear about what the skills are required. And somebody way overqualified interviews for the job. It's not wrong to assume that they have some interest. The fact that they step into the interview implies a professional statement to the effect of, I'm interested. And if they go through the entire interview and then say, well, you know, I don't want this job. It's unethical. It's rude if, at a minimum. And it's unethical at the extreme. It's simply wrong. So if, in fact, they don't want your job or they just want to get a foot in the door, this kind of standard interview, when they, 50 minutes in, they say, well, you know, I've got some other skills here. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm comparing you to the job. Well, this may not be such a good fit for me. Oh, okay. That's no problem then. Good to know. Yeah. We're done here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save me some time. I've got some email been piling up. Yeah, but I, but I can see the opposite where if somebody changed the questions based upon the fact that we thought they were overqualified could lead the, the interviewee to believe that they could be doing something different. Than exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, and I can see where that would be problematic, particularly if you hired them. <laughs>
In fact, I, we made the point earlier that overqualification is simply a characterization of a type of qualification that is like qualified in that it's more than qualified. Well, when you say overqualified, it's also a way of describing somebody as differently qualified. And we don't know unless we do a standard down in the weeds interview against the job skills. And if you're doing it our way and you have five or six people interview the person, they'll get the picture real fast. They're gonna expect me to do that job. Now look, if everybody says this person is the second coming, okay, fine. Consider him or her for something distinctively better, but that I guarantee you folks, that won't happen. It, it won't happen. And if they are, put them in this job for six months or whatever, get them promoted to the next job and have them talk to their friends about other guys who are as good as them who can come in and do the job they just got promoted out of. Now look, going back to my point about somebody who's trying to get their foot in the door or whatever and they're overqualified and this is why many managers say, well, I'm not going to interview them because there's a problem in there somewhere and we'll talk about that later. We do recommend caution. We don't take kindly to somebody who intends to use or, or subvert the hiring process to get what they want. Look, we don't have any problem with the guy who aces the interview and shows us how good they are and suggests they could do more. Love that, that's what I'm hoping for. They'll much more easily ace an interview that's for a job that they can do easily if we give them that interview, right? Rather than giving them a vague interview about what we think they might be doing that's hard for us to have developed good questions for. I'm happy to have a discussion with somebody about what else they can do. I want a nice slope on their growth line, but we're still gonna have to fill the role we're looking at and our needs do come first. Now look, we, I'm going to go back to the point about making sure they have the skills. Folks, be careful about accepting broad generalizations when you interview for details of their skills and their abilities. Don't assume that because they know C++ that they know C. Don't assume that if they've managed a product, project, they can analyze a critical path problem or that they can create Gantt charts easily. There are people who did projects before Gantt charts were a big deal or before Gantt charts made it into common usage. Don't assume that because they can manage a far-flung sales team that they can master selling in the modern world with social media. Interviewing isn't about assuming. It's about gathering evidence that leads to knowing. Okay? So we interview them the standard way, and that means we're probably going to have to probe. Now, look, it's not wrong for the candidate to periodically say to us something that will allow us to make an inference, right? That, that they'll say something and you'll allow yourself, well, of course, if they, if they know that, then they must know this other thing. And that will be based on your technical knowledge, okay? There is a difference between that and the arrogance of saying something like, I, I didn't think you'd ask me that. That is obvious based on this. You know, then that's just a person showing off, right? Well, maybe, or obfuscating one of Yeah, the exactly. If there is a lack of specificity or a tendency to give answers that imply things but don't actually say things, you've got to dig around. You've got to ask pointed questions. You're gonna find that you're gonna probe more in an interview with someone who's overqualified if in fact they're prepared to sell you their overqualification and expect you to assume, assume therefore qualification. We don't do it that way. We don't assume anything. We search for qualification and then the overqualification that they may have hinted at is simply a bonus. One of our favorite books on hiring is by Joel Spassky, who I hope to meet someday. Um, his book is called Smart and Gets Things Done. And look, guys, I'm always surprised. I mentioned this to technical people. They say, oh, I would never do that. And I said, Joel recommends testing developers. And we heartily agree. You know, I used to ask engineers, 
why is ice slippery? It's actually unclear why it is, but there's a, there's a couple of fairly common reasons and you want people to, you want an engineer to at least understand the physical world in which they operate. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to ask, what's the ratio of hoop stress to longitudinal stress in a cylinder? You know, there aren't that many engineer, practicing engineers who don't know that. Um, it's two times, by the way. I've asked marketers, what are the four Ps? And for those of you who don't know, it's product price. Now, okay, now you lost me. Okay, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was with you yeah. up until now. Now we've left the firm, the firm soil of facts and gone onto the, the tossing sea of opinion, right? I've heard Marketing four and Ps opinion. and five Ps. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's so yeah. confusing. Five forces. Five forces, Michael. Yeah, you five markers forces. are so yeah. imprecise. Hey, look, I just, uh, the, the five forces is a Michael Porter thing, and he's a genius about strategy, but he also just wrote a Harvard Business Review article in which he said, I know how to fix the American healthcare system. Just about the dumbest thing ever wrote in, anybody ever wrote in their entire life, particularly by somebody as smart as Michael Porter. But anyway, look, folks, we validate everyone's skills. Part of your job is to compare skills of those candidates that meet the standard. In other words, we're looking at everyone and we're asking ourselves, do they meet the standard or not? That's the only thing we're doing we're interviewing one person at a time. We're not comparing Joe to Bill, we're not, okay? Once we have more than one person, then we compare those people based on their strengths and weaknesses and the fit and all kinds of other stuff. We never assume anyone met the standard. But if part of our job is to compare skills of candidates that are in the final group, we need to know what the skills are of everybody in that group. And we can't do that if we assume they have them. Or you can assume them, but it really is a weak way to hire and to, to risk company capital and, and labor time and so on, um, if in fact you're wrong. When the best candidates actually do want to be interviewed for the job you've posted and they're prepared for it. And if we assume somebody met the standard, we can't compare them to someone who we actually did do our due diligence on. And let me just, I want to just mention one final thing. We're going along on this one, but this is, we're almost just skimming the surface of the concept of what kind of questions to ask and we've alluded to every creation tool and so on. But a bonus thought here for some of you, some of you won't like this. If it's really hard work to get an overqualified candidate to talk about the skills you're looking for, and that ends up extending the interview, it takes longer than you thought. It would be completely okay to say no to the candidate for that reason. Hmm. It would. Because if you have prepared questions that you believe are accurately reflect the needs you have for skills for the job that you've got, and they keep talking about high level skills and you ask them to come back and you ask them to come back, right? You could draw conclusions about that. Now look, you could also say, I like her, I don't believe this is an issue of subterfuge or of attitude and I'm going to extend the interview because I, I'm digging for things and I keep finding them, but she's not communicating the way I would like. But I wanna tell you something, guys. I would probably say no. If I had to keep reminding a candidate of coming back to the question I asked them rather than them selling me the skills that I want, which violates one of my rules of interviewing, and I could only get what I wanted through repeated specific probing, and I did it again and again and again, Mm, um, yeah. I might be fine with their technical skills, but then rule them out for poor communication. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and and look, guys, you know, you might say, well, I don't know, you know, skills are hard to find. I said, yep, and you know, 
hire for technical skills and fire for people skills. It seems like all the time. We we I've never heard never read Peter Drucker ever say it that that the reason to get rid of somebody there we disagree with Peter Drucker, which is the hardest thing in the world to say. Drucker says the only reason to get rid of somebody is failure to perform. I say the two reasons to get rid of somebody is failure to perform or tearing down the team. Um, Drucker would say create a job for them, but it's not that easy for most managers today. I'd add failure to communicate to, to that list. The number of technical managers I've ran into that just struggle day in and day out on brilliant technical folks who don't communicate. And it's very clear. Like if they, if they just had a moment of clarity, they would go like, I don't need this person. This person is causing yeah. me more pain than the benefit they're providing. Yeah, a lot of the focus on how VCs have skewed the technological small company marketplace such that the focus on entrepreneurs and quirky or uniquely gifted founders who don't have high qualities relative to typical professional communication and so on, Sometimes that sends the wrong message to young people starting their career and uh, managers think, oh, I just need to hire superstars. No, I mean, the superstars are great, but one of the things they better be a superstar at is communication because the single most frequent thing everybody does at work is communicate. Yeah. So that one took a little while. And we knew this cast was going along and it continues to do so. So we'll finish this up. Well, hopefully we'll finish this topic up next week. I do apologize, guys, and hopefully you get out of it. Interviewing is the most important thing a manager does long-term for the sustainment of the organization, and doing it well is a huge competitive advantage. It's not complex. There's subtlety there, more subtlety than in other parts of interview, uh, of managing, and we intend to delve into every bit of all the subtleties in the years ahead. If you want to be an effective manager, you cannot spend more time, too much time on this particular topic. Exactly. Good. All right. We'll talk more next week. Thanks, partner. Slow and dude. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Meantime, have a great one, folks. So long.